listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. All right. Good morning. Pullman Campus family, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning, and today is a special, special day. We are taking an opportunity to look at some vision. We're going to remember the past, and we're going to look forward to the future and what God has, and it's really important for me that you hear my heart in where we're moving forward as real life on the Palouse. And in order for us to do that, we're going to have to build kind of a biblical story. For me, this is really important. Uh, What does the text say about how we set vision and how we celebrate all that the Lord's done? And uh, so we're going to go back and look at a period of history that actually we have a ton written about. Um, It's really interesting to, to look at all the different prophets and all the different um, books of the Bible that are written around this time of Israel coming back from Babylonian captivity. And so what's been happening is uh, the Persians overthrow the Babylonians, the Babylonians, and they wind up setting Israel free to come back to the land that they used to inhabit. And so how that works is they get all of their temple implements. They were all being stored in the temples in Babylon. And they, Ezra, the priest, begins to lead this movement of about 25,000 Jews who come back from Babylon and repopulate Israel. They bring with them all kinds of um, fancy woods and fancy tapestries and the different, like the table of showbread and the incense altar and all those things. They bring all that back because their first order of business is they want to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Now, fast forward 20 years and it's still has not been done. They haven't even laid the foundations of the temple. And in fact, what they did was they took all of these fancy woods and tapestries and different things that they brought back from Babylon in order to rebuild the temple. They took all that stuff and built their own houses with it. They took God's things and built their own houses with it which we look at that and go, man, that's a terrible travesty. But I would just invite you to consider the possibility that when we don't steward our resources the way that God asks us to do, we're doing exactly the same thing. And so the story matters to us as we consider how faithful God's been and how we can move forward. So we're gonna begin with the prophet Haggai or Haggai. This is a guy who is a prophet around this time. And we're gonna read a section out of his Uh, book, his letter, and then we're going to move over to Ezra, and we're going to read Nehemiah, and then we're going to read out of Deuteronomy why this is so important. So let's begin with the book of Haggai. It says this, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now let me be clear about this phrase, the Lord of hosts. Here's what this literally means, that this is God, the sovereign commander in chief. The idea here is that God is presenting himself 
as the head of the armies and the source of safety for them to begin with. No matter where you believe your safety comes from, ultimately it roots in me. This is what God's trying to communicate by the name that he calls himself here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So 20 years they've been there and they're saying, ah, it's not really time to get at it. We'll get at it eventually. We got to build our own. I mean, wouldn't God want us to be safe? That's kind of their argument. Wouldn't God want us to take care of ourselves first? Here's what God says. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes in it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. <coughs> you looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Listen, you can be invested in a lot of really good things in your life, but if they're not God's priorities, then God comes in and blows them all away. They amount to nothing because the only thing that matters in our life is how God is being put on display by our, by our life choices. This is called righteousness. Are we living rightly with him and with other people? Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I've called for a drought on the land and the hills on, and on the grain and the new wine, the oil, on what ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the governor of, Ju of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So God comes to them through Haggai and he says, listen, all this stuff is not going well. Look, and here's why it's not going well. It's not going well because you won't build my house. You won't give me a place to dwell amongst you. This isn't really so much about the house. It's about making God's presence with us a priority. And so what they did was they said, okay, you're right. You're right. We're going to, we need to respond to that. So they go up in the hill and they do it. They drag down the wood and they begin to build the Lord's house. And on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. 
and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you who saw this house and its former glory? How do you see it now? It is not as nothing, is, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet be, now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. So here's what's, here's what's shaking down. So they decide to honor what God has asked them to do. They go up into the hills. They bring stuff down. Now remember, the people that came back from Babylon that were alive when they got taken saw the temple that Solomon built, which what a magnificent structure. Gold and all the floors, the walls, the ceiling. I mean, it was a magnificent structure. And that was an impressive place to come and worship our, their God. What he says here to, through Haggai is, hey, you guys who remember what the old one looked like, this one looks like a big pile of junk to compare to that one, doesn't it? He goes, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because it's not about the building. It's about this, my spirit in your midst. That's where the power comes from. Now I want to step out of the story that Haggai is telling, step back into the same story from the perspective of Ezra. Ezra is a priest who leads the, all these people back and, and is helping them get resettled in the land of Israel. And so here's his account of the same moment. When, when the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. And then arose Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, with his fellow priests, which Joshua and Jeshua are the same, same word, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, same guy, with his kinsmen, and they built the altar of the, of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the feast of booths, that's Sukkot, which happens in September in the seventh month. Um, we live in temporary dwellings, booths or tents and they offer sacrifices. That's all written in, in Torah. As it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by the number according to the rule as each day required. And after that, the regular burnt offerings. And the offerings at the new moon and all that the appointed feast of the Lord. And the offerings of everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Now remember Haggai's problem with these people. God comes to him through the prophet and he says, you guys, you've built your own houses, but my house lies in ruin. That's not okay. You've got to build the temple. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa. According to the grant that they had from Cyrus, the king of Persia, now in the second year, after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, made a beginning and together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. 
They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua with his sons and brothers and Kadmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah. Together supervised the workmen in the house of God along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, remember this is what Haggai was talking about when the foundation was laid. God comes to them and goes, this isn't even impressive compared to what those of you that remember the old temple, this isn't even impressive compared to that. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with the trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who'd seen the first house, all these people who came back that had remembered Solomon's temple, they saw what had happened there and wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. So what happens is, Haggai comes to these people and he says, guys, you're trying to make your lives better, but it's not working. It's not working because you're not doing God's things God's way. And so they're like, okay, we'll do it. But what they start to produce is a shadow of its former self. And what God tries to remind them is, listen, those of you who had it good with the big temple, don't worry about it because it's important for you to remember that it's not so, the building that's so significant. It's making sure that we're honoring God so that his spirit can dwell amongst us. That's what matters. And so here's what they do. In Nehemiah chapter eight, what we see is another like part of this story that once the temple's kind of put together and they complete the wall around the city of Jerusalem, they come together. And this, we'll pick up the story then in the book of Nehemiah. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. This is all in this calendar tip period. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Hear what just happened. All the people come together and Ezra reads the Bible from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and all the, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose and beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah on his right hand. And Padaiah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashum, Hashbadanadadahada, Badashudabadahanda, that's a little bit of an addition. Zechariah, who's also a prophet writing at this time, by the way, and Meshulam on his left hand. 
And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people as he opened it, and all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord. By the way, Jews always stand at the reading of God's word. It says that they read the word er, from early in the morning until midday, and these people stood for the whole time. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Of course, of course that's what they did. And also Jeshua, Bani, Shirabiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbathai, Hodai, Maaseah, Kelida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. So all of these guys, these priest names that I am not going to try to repeat again, all of them come together to help the people understand the book of the law that they're reading from. Why is that? Because God is reminding them that it's always been about my presence with you that makes the difference. It's never about your power, your accomplishment, your comfort. It's never about any of those things. What gives your community power in the, in, in the, in the broader community that you live in is that the spirit of God dwells with us. Here's what he's reminding them. They're reading out of the book of the law. So they're actually going to read out of Deuteronomy chapter six. Here's what it says. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life and that your days, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly. So his first point is you've got to know what the commands of the Lord are and you need to obey them because when you do, it goes well for you as God's leading you. As the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might. And by the way, this is the foundational part of the, Sh the Shema prayer that's prayed at least twice a day, every day for every Jew. Uh, when we go to Israel, we pray this prayer every day in the morning and in the, in the afternoon when we're done, because this is the way that the Jews begin their day and end their day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the first and most greatest commandment that, that Jesus gives us. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Listen, it's really easy to remember the Lord when everything's fallen apart. It's a whole other gear to remember the Lord when things are good. And what God says is always read these commands, know them, obey them, talk about them all the time, impress them on your children so that when you live in the blessing of obeying God, that you don't fall victim to forgetting who it was that put you there. Because that's when trouble comes. Uh, it is the Lord your God that you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. This is the message that when the people return from Babylon, that they are reading. Learn the commands, know them, obey them, and then you know, things will go well with you. Because when, when we forget who it is that gives us good things, then we're in danger of losing his blessing altogether. And, and I, would, I would say this, they go back and remember, we see this pattern in the Jewish people that anytime they get together, they go back and they remember uh, what's done. And so this morning, I wanna go in and just look at some of the things that God has done for us in the last year. Um, we had... Uh, 23 students that gave their life to Christ at camp that were baptized. We had 345 people at our um, marriage conference to work on get, putting their marriages back together. Um, we had 376 people at our biblical context conference, the restoration of all things, where we dug in and we tried to figure out what it means to really understand the Bible as God intended for it to be written. The, here's, here's, some, here's some fun things. Um, we had uh, 541 gallons of coffee served this last year. 30,264 communion cups prepared. It's a lot of communion. Um, sang over 624 worship songs. We've had over 4,000 volunteer hours in children's ministry and life for kids. Um, over 12,000 student kids checked in. Um, it, it's on our safety team. Um, 
hours and hours of training. They, they're, they're moving forward with protecting us. 48 safety drills runs, 288 door checks. These are people that are doing real work for us to keep us safe. But the one that matters the most to me is this particular stat. In a year where for a lot of us, this was a hard year, like our staff this year um, struggled just personally. They just seemed like everybody on staff was struggling to, and, and there was just a lot going on, some with kids, some with marriages, some with all kinds of different things. Um, and I watched as many of us shared our stories and we were uh, struggling at the same time and, and praying with and for one another and hanging in there and pulling things together. This year, we had 92 baptisms, which is the highest year of baptisms for a single year that we've ever had in the history of our church. In a year where we have experienced more struggle, more battle, more uh, working through things, uh, obstacles that we seem to be facing, what we observed is God at work and changing hearts more than he's ever done before. And that's important for us because those are moments where we see that God is still faithful, that in the midst of our messes and our struggles, it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to try to throw in the towel. And what I would say to you is God is only beginning to be at work at Real Life on the Palouse. And we need to remember that. We need to remember these moments because it's really easy for us to forget and begin thinking that, well, it's our great leaders or our great worship, which our worship is incredible. It's our great teaching, which we have great teachers at our church, or it's our great children's programs, or it's our great all kinds of different things. It's this great person or that great person or this great small group or whatever, but that it's all of those things, that those are the things that made this church great. And what, what we need to always remember is that it was never about the programs or the people. It was always about the spirit of God dwelling in our midst. And our job is to remain faithful to that. That's what we have to keep focused on. But moving forward, there's a great verse in the Proverbs, Proverbs 29:18. Here's what it says. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Looking forward, we need to consider what God's dreams are. I'm so proud of our Pullman campus and the duplex with reaching out to foster care and the way that you're ministering to families. That is so incredible. And the way that you rallied around having that furnished and, and able to be used at little to no cost to the to the church because you guys stepped up and were faithful and generous to that. That's incredible. I love that. We're going to continue to build inroads with the foster care community uh, in Pullman and Colfax and Whitman County. That's going to be an important thing because God cares very deeply about the alien, the orphan, and the widow, and therefore so must we. 
We're looking at new and, and more innovative ways to reach out into our community as far as helping people to get on their feet from transition spaces where um, uh, things like transitioning in and out of prison or in and out of rehab. We sent, I don't even know how many people we sent, but remember, if you'll remember when we took the donuts away, we told you guys that as a church, we were spending $1,600 a month on donuts, which yay for donuts. That's a lot of money. And so what we did was we did away with the donuts. We took that $1,600 a month and we have reinvested it into actually sending people to drug rehab to get clean. And it's working. It's working. People are actually getting clean. These are things that we want to continue to do. We want to continue to find people at the margins of our community, people who have no voice and continue to bring them to the center of our community and give them a voice. We will continue to be invested in dealing with abuse well. Churches notoriously deal with abuse terribly. We will continue to do that. But this year, we're going to focus on two major spiritual priorities. Number one, we're going to focus on prayer. And while we all agree that we all need to be better prayers, I am committing to you that our church will be more intentional about providing environments for that to take place. The other thing that we're going to try to focus on is generosity. If we use God's things to build our own lives, we are making a grave mistake and we are robbing ourselves of what God wants to do and our ability to be a part of it. It's not that God doesn't want to work here. We've got to be willing to have the faith to step out and trust him enough that we're going to put our money literally where our mouth is. You can say you believe whatever you want to about God. Your pocketbook proves it. And so we're going to invite people to be more generous in this year. I'm going to be more generous in this year. Um, these are things that we want to call people to. The vision for 2019 is on developing the inner man. Prayer and generosity are the key pieces. Last year, we talked about worship. And worship's been a major piece and will continue to be a major piece of who we are as a church. This year, we're going to add to that the discipline of prayer and the discipline of generosity. These are important key pieces in our ability to move forward as, as people, as individuals, and as a church. And with that in mind, we're going to move towards the Lord's table, which we take communion every week. Um, this is, we have an open table. So if you're here for the first time, anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake. But we want you to hold the elements till the end, and we'll take them all together. While they're passing that out, I want to work through a few implications to this message. Implication number one. We can never forget the past, but we also cannot live in it. The past is there to remind us that God is capable of fulfilling what he is promising to do in us and around us. The past, like prophecy, we just came through this Advent season, the past gives us the security of knowing that God's promises are true, that he is working, that he will fulfill what he says he's going to do. Implication number two. It is good to be reminded of God's faithfulness. It is too easy to forget in the midst of the daily grind of what God has done and will do with those who stay faithful. Listen, following God in crisis, that's easy. We don't have a choice. We throw our hands up in desperation and say, God, I don't have any other options. 
it's important for us in the good times to call ourselves back. This is the moment where we make provision. We make provision when we're strong for the times when we're weak. These are the times when we should be bolstering our connections to uh, God and to his people and to our commitments that we make as his followers. Last implication. This year, our resolutions need to be about relationship with other people and faithfulness to God in bigger and more stretching ways. And so as you consider what it means to move forward in your faith, what does it look like for you to take the next step in faith. And here's the thing about steps of faith. It doesn't matter if you've been following the Lord for 30 years or if you've been following the Lord for 30 minutes. Every step of faith takes faith. No matter how many you've made before, if it's not, if it doesn't take faith, it's not a step of faith. And so every step of faith takes faith. For you and I, we've got to be willing to take those next steps of faith. I am inviting you to consider that where God's taking us as a church is into this area of being better stewards with our lives through prayer and generosity. We're going to add to our worship prayer and generosity this year. What it's going to mean is we're going to actually have to have real conversations around our dinner table, maybe with your home group this week, about how we lay our lives down so that God's name can be glorified in our community and beyond. It looks like communion, like us laying our lives down, this example that Jesus gives us that he would do nothing, there was nothing he wouldn't do to, to make sure that we know that not only is he for us, but he's making a way as a model for us to follow. This reminds us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup, this is the, this is the blood of the covenant which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness for your promises that even as we are reminded of these stories of people who are going to start committed and fall away and then come back and be really committed and fall away, that as they're making um, their way back to you, that you're not trying to beat them up. God, you're, you're loving them back. You're excited about the opportunity to bless them and that you're faithful to forgive and move forward. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful, not just in the crisis, but also to be faithful in the good times as well, so that we can see more and more and more of you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the ways that you've blessed us, the things that we've been able to see you do. And God, we look forward and thank you in advance for all the things that you're going to do this year coming up in your name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.